You're listening to the Choose to Be podcast with host Alana Gordon and Amy Wolsey. As you join us each week, we will provide you with tools, resources, and knowledge to help you navigate your healing journey. Choose recovery, choose healing, choose you. Thank you for joining our conversation today. We are excited to continue talking about boundaries. So if you were listening last week, we, Alana and I discussed a couple different things regarding boundaries, very basic tools, really talking about how important it is to identify how you break your own boundaries first. Something as simple as Hey, I really need to go to bed at nine, but then you find yourself staying up till 11. I might be speaking from personal experience, but how are you breaking your own boundaries just in little areas? And I am just going to reiterate here how important this is to identify, because if you can't learn to trust yourself in this area, you're going to have a really hard time getting into the nitty gritty thick of boundary setting when it comes to dealing with your spouse who may be struggling with addiction or anybody else who's difficult in your life. If you haven't listened to the last episode, go back and listen to that. We talked about your bill of rights. We hope that you've taken time to identify your rights and to remember the first two that we gave you that Alana and I both think are extremely powerful and necessary. And that is you have the right to be wrong and you have the right to change your mind. Incredibly powerful. So Having said that, we're going to talk today, kind of morph into boundaries in terms of how to start seeing your reality and how to begin this idea of, and how this plays into setting boundaries with other people. First and foremost, when you are living in the reality that you are right now, and you're not quite sure what to think about it, maybe you're starting to identify some red flags but you're still not quite sure what's really going on. Uh, Alana can chime in here in a second, but something that, that is really common that women say with me is, well, he's seeing that he's in recovery or that he's sober and that he's doing well, but I'm just not quite sure. Something inside me is telling me different. And I totally remember being in that place and you're just not quite sure what really is happening. And there's lots of other different kind of reality checks that we might need. But here's one of the first things that I want to talk about, Alana, is how setting boundaries can change that reality. Sometimes we're waiting to see if they do something different or we're trying to do something different and it's, or we're trying to make them do something different. Really creating a boundary is going to flip that reality very fast. At least that I've seen in my own life and other women who do this, they get a reality check really quick when they start establishing boundaries. The first thing I think I really want to point out is all of the boundary setting in the world isn't going to change somebody else. So when we talk about this, helping you see reality, the boundaries for you are something that you have to keep yourself safe. They are action steps that you can take for you. And it is not an attempt to change somebody else. It is not an attempt to control somebody else. And so 
I want to just make it really clear that as you're listening to today's podcast, you're not going with this lens of, okay, I want to change my reality, which really means I want to change him. So I'm going to have boundaries because it's going to change my reality and it's going to change him and everything's going to be great. Here, here's the reality with boundaries is that boundaries are not this magical thing that makes your life perfect. You actually may put really healthy boundaries in place and some people won't like that or they won't adhere to them or they won't respect them. And your life may become harder in some areas, but it also can be much healthier. It can be much safer. You can be living with realistic expectations because you have those boundaries. So I want to just take away some of the fantasy that comes with boundaries, that when we do boundary work, everything is going to be wonderful and ideal. When we do boundary work, it can be healthier. And healthier means that you can still grow, you can still thrive, you can become the best version of yourself. And some people may like them, some people may not. Yeah. And I think this is where a lot of people get hung up with boundaries. We hear that word. I'll tell you, every time I bring that up on one of my, like my, my uh, Instagram posts, it's the least liked <laughs> <laughs> is when I talk about boundaries. Cause everyone's uh, no, sorry, uh-uh, not going there. <laughs> it, that word alone, people have so many different thoughts about that word. And so I'm going to throw something out there because Maybe you are listening to this and you're like, oh, boundaries again. <laughs> and maybe you have a lot of negative thoughts about this word. Let me back this up and make it, at least for me, this makes it a lot simpler. So, and it's to your point, what you just talked about, Alana, and it goes to the principle of agency. We are agents who act, not put here to be acted upon. I believe that 100%. I believe that we fought for that that we were given that gift when we, every human being, when we came here to the earth. And what happens is that we get in these situations where we start to think and believe that other people and other circumstances are what creates our happiness or what gives us what we want. But really what boundaries are is you acting as an agent and thinking what is okay and what isn't okay for you in your life. You and you alone are the one that creates your life experience. Nobody and nothing creates that for you. So boundary work is you just identifying in your own mind, picture yourself in your own bubble, okay? Everyone has their own bubbles and inside your bubble is your thought, your feeling, and your action. You've got to identify what those are for yourself. And that is what gives you the life experience. So boundaries is just your thoughts about what's okay and what isn't okay in your bubble. I love it. One thing I do with my betrayal trauma groups, my in-person ones, is we actually will bring a hula hoop and we'll put hula hoops on the ground and I make each person stand in their own hula hoop. And we do this physical rep representation of this is your space. This is your space. Now, do you want to invite somebody into your space? Do Is it okay if they come within your hula hoop? Is it okay 
that they reach over your hula hoop? Is it okay that they do these things? And really helping them own this body is yours. This space is yours. These thoughts are yours. You really get to own your own space. And sometimes we need to make that more concrete because everything about boundaries can feel really abstract. Even as we talk about it on the podcast, we we already are breaking this podcast into three separate episodes, but really boundaries are something I think about my own experience with them. It took me months of working with a therapist to finally get them through my head. The first time I went to the therapist and he said, Alana, you need boundaries. And I'm like, why, what does that even mean? What? I don't get it. And the first time I wrote my boundaries, it was, you will do this. You will do this. You will do this. And I brought them back and he tried to re-explain them. And he talked about if then statements, if you proceed to do this, then I will do this. And so came back the next week and I said, okay, here's my boundaries. You will do this. And if you don't, then I'm going to do this consequence. And they were so rigid and extreme. It was basically like, if you don't do this, I'm going to divorce you. If you don't do this, I'm going to divorce you. And so he said, okay, let me explain again. And so if you're listening to this and it sounds really abstract and you're having a hard time kind of wrapping your brain around boundaries and around when we say you have control over your own thoughts and you have control over your own actions, I hope that you're really gentle and compassionate with yourself because if you're anything like me, I wasn't raised in a culture or a family that really made healthy boundaries a verbal, clear, concrete thing. It was just so foreign to me. So it does take a little bit to first hear this, then understand it, then believe it, and then start living it. Yeah, absolutely. And I have this thought, and I'm not sure how this all fits in here, but I'm going to say it because it came to my mind, is to reiterate what you were talking about with that hula hoop visual. And as I'm picturing you do that with all these women, the thought came to me, not only is that space yours and you're in charge of that, no one can force their thought into your space. You are the one that brings that in. So being aware of what you're allowing in your space is really key as well. Because again, we get to this, we don't realize that we're being acted upon by so many of these, of other people's thoughts and other people's actions, how other people feel about us. And we're just like bringing it in our hula hoop and our space. And then we're like pissed about it. And we think we don't have any other choice, but to have it there because they threw it at us. You don't have to catch it. Just take some time to ruminate over that and identify maybe some things that you're like, I don't think I want this thought. I don't think I want this emotion that they say I have to think or feel. You don't. So just have to say that. (laughs) Yes. And first of all, nobody has the right to tell you how you feel. Uh -uh. Your feelings are yours and nobody has the right to tell you that. Kim Day, she's a therapist with Worth and Life Changing Services described abuse as something, as a gift, a terrible gift, but a gift that somebody gives you and you choose whether you take that gift or not. You can reject that gift 
or you can take it. And sometimes we take it because we feel like we have to, or we have no other choice, or the consequences of not taking that gift are too great. And we're going to talk in our next episode more of the ins and outs of the action plans of how to set the boundaries and maybe the things that prevent us from being able to do that. But before we even get to that step, we have to get clear with what our reality is today. Because if someone's handing us this gift and this terrible gift and we're taking it on, but we don't even see it for what it is, it makes it pretty hard to then tell somebody to stop or for us to stop taking that gift and to step out of that situation. Yeah, and and I know I've seen how therapists and coaches are extremely beneficial in this area. I'm sure you have to, because there's a lot of times that I'll work with a client who will run a situation by me and I'll repeat that back to her. And all of a sudden, because I'm now saying it audibly back to her, it just does a little switch in her brain. And now she went, Oh, that's not what I thought I experienced in the moment with him. But now that I hear you say this, I'm having a different reality. That is so incredibly powerful. I've seen it really help. So another to your point plug in how getting help with boundary work, I think is like a no brainer. I don't know anybody who has done boundary work on their own. If you have, call me up. I really don't know how you would do this. So I think setting this expectation on yourself to do this by yourself is not healthy. Let that go. You don't have to figure this out by yourself. And it doesn't make you less than or not capable. This is just tough stuff. So reach out and get some help in implementing some of these boundaries, but also maybe just helping with what we're talking about today and us getting a a reality check. So what I mentioned earlier, how setting boundaries alone can change your reality. Do you have anything more to say to that part of it? When we're changing our reality, what that means is we're becoming clear with what's happening right now. And then we become active agents in our own life with what we do with that information. So instead of having things just happen, our reality shifts because now we become active because now we start moving forward and we start progressing no matter what the people in our life are doing. So then let me ask you, and I, sometimes I put you on the spot, but Can I ask you what were some maybe key things or experiences that come to mind that helped you identify a little bit more of the reality of your situation? Well, speaking for me personally, going to group was huge for me because Mm -hmm. when I went to group and I heard somebody else say it and I would easily go, oh my word, that's not okay. And then I would go, that's happening in my relationship wait, that's not okay. That's not okay for me to have that happening and I won't accept it any longer. So hearing it through other people was really beneficial. That that for me was the biggest. One thing that I do with a lot of my clients who are in relationships that are either toxic or unhealthy or abusive is I have them practice writing what is my reality and writing down things that are facts 
if a lawyer were watching the videotape, the things that they would write down with zero emotion that happened. He just called me this word. He just followed me from room to room. There's no emotion in that. There's nothing debatable. If someone were watching a videotape, those are just facts of what happened. So starting with that of writing down the facts of what are happening regularly and facing that. I have had so many clients say, oh my word, when it's actually on paper, I, I, I don't know why I didn't see it. Yeah. And so it, it is that reality check to help you get clear with what's happening. Another thing I will have them do is I will have women in particular write letters to themselves because we have different parts of us. And there is this part of all of us that says, I'm not going to take that. That's not okay. And then we have another part of us that may be really kind and gentle and want to give the benefit of the doubt and to be really compassionate. And, and both of those parts are really good, but I give more power to that part that says this is okay. And this isn't okay. And I have them write letters to themselves mm -hmm. and to tap into that part of themselves. And so if I were doing this for myself, I would write dear Alana, when he looked at you and then rolled his eyes and said, you're so sensitive, that's not okay. Your feelings are 100% valid and nobody gets to tell you what is right or wrong with your feelings. Those are yours to own and you don't need to put up with that. Love Alana. <laughs> I love that so much. So powerful and so helpful to have that group setting. I unfortunately did not know about any help. I didn't know there were groups out there. I didn't know... In my world, no one else was going through this or had ever gone through this. And I felt extremely alone and powerless and scared and fearful. For me, I didn't see the reality of my situation like truly until I left and went to my parents who I trust and it was a safe place. And that was not only difficult, but emotional and eye-opening. I, I had no idea really what was happening until I got out. And I think that's probably because there was a lot more of abuse that, that accompanied the addiction in, in my situation. I think it's really difficult to see the reality when there has been abuse in a relationship, not just addiction. But yeah, for me, that's when my, I think I had my reality check. And then again, Sometimes I think just having somebody that you trust point things out to help you see maybe the reality of what's happening. So those are some other ways that I think can bring that reality check. With that distance, when you're in the middle of a storm, it can be so hard to see what's up and which way the storm is coming from. And you're in the middle of a hurricane and it's going all around you it's really hard to see with clarity. So to be able to pull out, step back, see with clarity, and then decide whether you want to go back into the storm or wait out in a safe place until things get a little safer before you move back in, that distance can be so essential. And one thing I was so afraid of when we separated 
was, well, separation means it's the beginning of the end. So mm-hmm. many people say that. And in some cases, that is the case because it's not safe to go back into the storm. In other cases, that distance gives you the ability to get regrounded, to figure out what's healthy. It gives them the ability to get grounded and figure out what's healthy. So when the two of you do come back together, you can create something new and better. And I'm a huge proponent of separation if that is what you're being led to do. If God gives you that prompting of it's time to separate, then that does not have to be a bad thing. That can be a healthy thing for the marriage, or it can be a healthy thing for you because you need to remove yourself from the marriage. Either reality could be true, but in either case, it's you getting anchored with yourself. It's you getting anchored with God in a safe place. Absolutely. That's so beautiful. When you were talking, I had the thought too that when you are in a marriage and you're trying to assess the reality of maybe where they're at and you don't know, again, I love boundary work because when you create a boundary, when you say, okay, you know what, this is not okay. And they respect that boundary. I love that opportunity to see reality. Okay. He's respecting this. That means it's working. That means he's doing his part or the opposite, right? Hey, this isn't okay. And all of a sudden it turns into gaslighting or more verbal or emotional abuse. And it drives a wedge, which is what I think a lot of us are afraid of happening. We don't want that result. So we were like, I don't know if I want to set this boundary, but that right there is your reality. If you say to your point, Hey, it's not okay to roll your eyeballs at me or dismiss my emotions. And you get more backlash and more eyeball rolls or more emotional abuse. You have a clear reality of where that person is at in their own recovery in their own life, which will help you then in turn, make the next right decision, most wise decision for you. Mm. One other piece I want to put out there as a way to recognize and identify your reality. This comes from Maurice Harker and he talks about writing letters to your daughter. And if you don't have a daughter, it's fine, but just go to that mental place of you have a daughter and she is in this situation and whether with a future spouse with a parent, with a best friend, but somebody is treating her in these ways, what advice would you give to her? What would you encourage her to do? What steps would you have her take? What things would you hope and pray that she would just see? Write that out. Let yourself really go to that place and then read the letter. Because I guarantee there's going to be pieces in there that you need to hear. Oh, absolutely. And I love that one was really powerful for me. And I would just cross out my daughter's name and put mine and read the letter. And it, I always cried when I did that, but (laughs) I don't know why it's so hard for us to be so kind and compassionate to ourselves. But man, when I'm talking to my daughter, that that protective and mama bear and unconditional love and compassion all comes out. So I think that's a beautiful tool to use. Okay. Then the next thing, seeing your reality, getting a clearer picture of the reality of the situation, identifying it, 
now we've got to own it. What does that mean for you to own your reality? Owning your reality is allowing yourself to see what is, and then it's being willing to take it on to say, this is what's happening. And this is what I am choosing to do with that. It's taking yourself into that, out of that place of this is happening to me. And this person is doing this and this person is doing this and this person is doing this into a mindset of this is happening. And this is what I'm going to do. This is happening. And these are my action steps. It takes our focus away from externally looking at everything else and everyone else. And it brings us internally into a place where we then move our feet towards action. Back to that whole basic principle of agency. You and you alone are the agent that gets to act and choose. And, and you can't do that unless you own it because that's where the responsibility comes in. That's where being 100% accountable comes in. And everybody needs to have that inside their, inside their bubble. So something that I know for sure that I felt and thought and other women express these same thoughts as well is once you have a reality check and you're identified what's really happening, I remember thinking, how could I not have known? How did I miss this? How did this go on for so long? And I didn't know. I feel so stupid. That was hard to get over. And so I want to point out that if these are thoughts that you're having, or you are not crazy. You're not alone in this. And I think that being, this is where the compassion comes in. Being compassionate with yourself right here is really important and key to part of owning it. That's hard. Those are hard thoughts to work through. I felt really dumb. And not just that, when you are hearing this or you're in the place that you have recognized it and you don't feel strong enough to do anything different yet, mm. that can also feel equally demoralizing. That can be a very common place where we beat ourselves up. What's wrong with me that he's treating me this way? Or what's wrong with me that I let my parents do this? And I just take it. it. It's hard not to go down that road with either of these. Yet this is where that self-compassion is so important because 99% of individuals who are in unhealthy relationships and abusive relationships have a difficult time stepping out of those patterns. They have a different, difficult time doing something different. So if you're listening to this and you're starting to beat yourself up, I want you to stop and I want you to be compassionate with yourself and understand that this is a journey. And going back to last week's podcast of the Bill of Rights, those Bill of Rights, if there's things on there that you don't believe yet, you don't overwrite deep-seated core beliefs that often have been there since your childhood in one podcast episode or one week of processing it. It just doesn't work that way. I wish it did. I'm with you. I wish it did. But all of this is a process and a journey. So wherever you are today, please be patient with yourself. 
I'm glad you said that because just the majority of our listeners are living with someone who is struggling in sexual self-mastery, sexual addiction, and or any form of addiction. And we've probably since realized and learned what that does to the brain and how they, part of their healing and recovery is rewiring that brain and thinking differently. The same applies to us. We've been used to thinking a certain way about ourselves, believing certain things about ourselves for so long, to your point. And so absolutely we have to rewire that. And that is literally rewiring the brain means building new neural pathways in that brain, which is so freaking miraculous that God designed it this way because it's possible, but that takes work. That takes work. So yes, I'm going to just echo, be patient with yourself, have compassion with yourself and know that it's always working. I think sometimes that if it's, if nothing's changing in a week or two or even a month or even a year, it's easy for us to go, see, it's not working. It Ah. is always working. If you're moving your feet, it's always working. Yes. It is always working. If you are learning to prioritize yourself, to voice your needs, to keep moving forward with healthy behavior, no matter what other people around you are doing or how they are responding. I hope as you listen today that you will take some time, not just listen to the podcast, but take some time to really do some of the things we listed out about defining your reality and ask yourself, is your reality a reality that, that you are happy with are, is the way that you're showing up is the actions you're doing in line with your own core values. And if they aren't a lot of times with trauma, they aren't then go, okay, what little baby steps do I want to start putting in place? to keep moving forward and progressing to be the person I want to be. You've heard us say this before. We're not going to go run a marathon. We're just going to take little baby steps. So take some time, journal it out, meet with a safe person and figure out what your reality is and start practicing owning that. Next week, we're going to talk about really the ins and outs of how to start setting the boundaries. And then those roadblocks that come up that go, I want to do this, but they might do this. Or what if this happens? We're going to look at some of those next week and unravel some of those fears that come up so that you can actively start being that agent in your own life. We will see you all next week. What a powerful conversation today. Thanks for joining us. If you benefited from this topic, then like or share with a friend. We will continue talking about boundaries next week and discuss how to follow through with boundaries and some of the fears that keep us from even setting them. Meanwhile, we hope you feel our support as you continue to choose recovery, choose healing, choose you. Take care, everybody.